0: I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm in charge. Tyler's not here. Hello, Chris Gordy. Welcome in to uh, another episode of College World Uncensored. It is our second episode of the week. We're putting in so much work um, because it's the week of the draft, which means several things. A lot of kids are about to make a lot more money than I'll ever make in my life. Um, And I've slept for seven total hours in the past three days because of all the deep dives that I keep getting myself into and loving every minute of it.
1: Well, it also means that you know stupid gms are going to talk themselves into taking big 10 offensive linemen over sec players and Fair. i mean you do you go for it but at the end of the day we know the sec dudes are going to be the studs and you're going to be stuck with the big Ten O linemen that stinks
0: i see i honestly if it if any position besides tight end i would trust in the big 10 is o line but, but it's it's still shocking to me that like the way people talk about like about aiden hutchinson and maybe it's just because I'm super biased about SEC football compared to the Big Ten. But like we all know about his how it was kind of ridiculous that he was invited to New York. Not that he didn't have a great season, but if you're gonna invite that position, you just keep looking at that position and just, you know, I don't know, at numbers, stats, things that matter, things that apparently got him to New York.
1: Well, the, the but, crazy the crazy part about Hutchinson was like Ajabo on the other side was was you know, maybe not as impactful, but pretty mm-hmm. damn impactful. And so that's where it was like hard for me. Cause like, all right, you're going to invite Hutchinson. What about Ajabo? David, Ajabo was, was just as good. And then that poor dude gets hurt at his pro day and his Aww.
0: draft stock plummets. What is so that? I still, I saw some where he was still considered a potential first rounder, which is, yeah,
1: yeah there's some thought maybe back into the first early second, but right. Um, you know, it'd be awesome. Whoever takes Hutchinson, like if you get him, at the top of the first and then take a job at the top of the second. And you just have both those guys.
0: I would, uh, I would steer clear from that because I would want as little Michigan fandom um, and experience around my facility as as possible. Um, That being said, the draft is tomorrow night. There are a bazillion things happening. We were just talking about this off air. Um, You know how much I love gambling and all of the draft prop bets are always just like that in the super bowl bets. It's not the same Super Bowl. Super Bowl prop bets are on another level. But like the year that Tyler found who will there be a cat shown on on screen when they they were at home um, for the COVID year and it hit and it was Tristan Wirps. That was incredible. Uh, but I was keeping up with this last night. So Derek Stingley, this is what we were talking about. He was at plus like 800, 1200 to be even like even picked between six and 10. Like he was not considered going to be a top five pick. Right. Late last night. He jumped up to the number three overall pick, and he is the current leader in the clubhouse for odds there uh, at plus 150. Is Stingley going to go there?
1: Yeah, I've got buddies who, are, who cover the Houston Texans pretty closely, and there has been a lot of buzz this week that the Texans love Stingley so much that he's in play at three overall, uh, which is crazy because they, yeah. they were at Cincinnati's Pro Day, and Lovey Smith, spoke with sauce Gardner for the longest and and they Mm -hmm. love sauce Gardner. Everybody else has been like sauce Gardner, clearly DB one. But I I think like, I mean, look, we saw Stingley how dynamic he was as a freshman. Mm -hmm. These last two years have been whatever. I mean, they've been coach O getting fired season going sideways. Was he really injured or was it him just kind of protecting himself? Yeah. Whatever. But I had somebody ask me earlier this week. They're like, I hear there's big concerns on him uh being able to tackle it and stop the run. I'm going who the hell wants to I want you downfield covering AJ Brown one on one. I don't care right. about you coming up to stop the run. Like that's not your job. So yeah, I mean it's it's silly season like everybody's making excuses like I, I heard this week, two, two teams said Evan Neal's off their board because of medical. Mm-hmm. I'm like, off their board? So Like seven,
0: Neal, 370 off you their getting, boards.
1: Yeah, you get in the seventh round and Evan Neal's still there. You're like, nope, still not Absolutely doing it. Not. Like, Shut no. up.
0: We'll take in Bama's kicker instead.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it. there is some real buzz there that the Texans do like Stingley and he go, could go third overall. I don't know if it's going to happen, but if you get one of those prop bets, you know, where you get Stingley yeah. top five or whatever, jump on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, too, because you have you have a like I love giving singly shit just because for that one year, it, like he was incredible. He was he was a he was a freshman, not just a freshman All-American. He was an All-American as a freshman, which is a big difference. Right. It's it's kind of like being like all pro versus like making a pro bowl, you know, right. and and he was so good his, his freshman year. But it's hard for me not to look at like and, and maybe this is like, you know, some sort of. Subconscious bias or something, but I, I hear it all the time with like Bama players. Like, well, they're really good because they have people around them. That LSU team was loaded, and they they were good in the secondary. Who won the fucking Delpit won the 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 Thorpe Award, which is horseshit. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, but they were so lifetime talented achievement all over the award, field. right? But they were so talented all over the field, and he was he was obviously. I mean, he is a tremendous talent. But I, you know, I don't think I could throw away two years of of I, I wouldn't say production. I guess lack of production. Um, I do think Bama fans over exaggerate the shit out of what happened to him in the 2019 game because he was like, you know, looking at the sideline thing and like the yeah. numbers are worse. He, he, I think, was technically in coverage, but like, or he was close to when Devontae Smith made the, the catch, like the one handed catch in 2020 mm-hmm. and lit him up again. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't guarding uh, Smith that night. So it's like, I think he only covered him like three times. He's obviously really good. I think I would take Sauce Gardner over him. Just, just from the consistency standpoint, and also he's like his numbers are, are just as good. Yeah, and he and he played. You know, I think
1: that's where a lot of teams get obsessed with, you know, the guy who played every game this past season and played at a high level versus the mm-hmm. guy who only played a handful and you know has some some injury questions. So, yeah. But but look, that's what the medicals are for. Like like if I ran Stingley through the gamut and all the medicals say he's one hundred percent, he's good to go. The I mean, same thing like. Like, Chris Olave, I love at Ohio State.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: like, Jameson Williams, if Jameson Williams doesn't get hurt in the national championship game, he's he's going, Go he's the number one wide receiver in this draft. Like, he still might be. He, he still might be. But, like, you getting hurt, as long as the medicals check out and they say, okay, you're not 100% yet, but you will make a full recovery, I don't understand why teams don't – You know, like believe that the doctors, yeah, like I mean, (laughs) if if they say, well, Chris, if
0: there's anything we've learned about this country over the past couple of years, it's that we are absolutely not going to trust science or the doctors. So, um, no, but you're right. Like, I I don't. And also, here's another thing too. Every why does everyone have a different fucking doctor?
1: Yeah. Well, you know what I mean.
0: If you've ever talked to
1: some of the guys, like like I know Jacob Hester talks about it all the time, but they're like. Mm that process you go through at the combine and, you know, all that, like it is insane. They poke and prod every piece yeah. of your body. And I mean, they look at everything. So right. again, if the medicals are good, then, you know, I I would still lean Stingley just based off talent because I said his freshman year, he's, he's going to, he's Patrick Peterson. He's going to be Patrick Peterson at the next level uh, as far as being a, a true cover corner. Right. So again, I, I think he goes top five, uh, Evan Neal, I, again, whatever these injury concerns are about, Evan Neal, he was the best offensive lineman uh, on Alabama's team this year. Um, he was
0: the only offensive lineman on that team, sir. He
1: was. I, I just I don't buy into the whole injury thing and, and getting thrown off of guys just because they're a little nicked or whatever. Like, trust your well, doctors.
0: I will say this too, though. I, that is, and, and maybe it's changed recently, but Jonah Williams has. I, Every time I've seen them play, Joe Burrow's been like on his back. So he has not playing it, panned out very well. I think Cam Robinson's got the franchise tag two years in a row. I don't know what that even fucking means because I don't watch the NFL as closely as, as a college. And please don't explain it to me because I know it involves money and I won't get it. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, like it, it, Bama offensive lineman, I Quandro. Remember like Cyrus Quandro? He was a huge bust. Andre Smith was a huge bust. Even though it's like, fuck, that's like 15 years ago now. Yikes. Um, if, if, if At any position, I could see it maybe being there, but like, I think it was, they said it was his hips and his knees, which is like, I mean, I get it, bro. I feel that, but I, yeah, I yeah. think he's probably still, he's probably still fine. I, I will say this. I think that the the SEC in the first round, and we'll take a look at this, um, you know, and we, we kind of talked about this on, on Monday, but getting into like the nitty gritty of it, because it's the day before we're recording this the day before the draft. Um, like who do you think slips into the first round? Because there's, there's, this is probably, I don't know, like, I hate to be like dramatic about it, but it seems like probably the craziest and and most like most intriguing draft, especially going into round one that we uh, I've I've seen ever. Yeah, I think the question is, what's the over under on quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks
1: Mm -hmm. go in this first round? I think two and a half. Yeah, I think I I take the over because Mm -hmm. you can't understate the the fifth year Mm -hmm. option. You know, when they changed that a couple years ago, where if you take a guy in the first round, you get that fifth year option on him Mm -hmm. on the rookie deal. And teams absolutely love to have the quarter, you know, that rookie quarterback who ends up being a hit on his rookie deal. And so right. that said, I think I think Matt Corral is going to be a first round pick tomorrow night because I think mm-hmm. somebody's going to trade up. You know, Kansas City's got a couple picks near the back end. Like somebody's going to trade back, trade out of the first round because somebody's going to want to come up and get a Matt Corral and get that fifth year option. So
0: if the Falcons I, 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 did something remotely close to that and it would oh. I, I would do horrible things for like a, like an actual good draft from the Falcons. But no, I think, right. And also just, again, and we'll talk about this in different ways, but it's it's the same. We're getting to the same point. You're just doing it from a, a less, um, what's the best way to put it? Degenerative uh, or degenerate sort of way. But if you look at like the betting lines on this, during the podcast last night we were recording, or two nights ago, Corral went from 34 and a half down to thirty three and a half and a half within like 30 minutes. And, you know, there's 32, there's 32 picks in the first round. I think you're spot on. I, I don't yeah. think I don't think anyone falls out of it in two and a half. Like that's such a small amount of, of quarterbacks for. And no, it's not a good class, but still.
1: So we know Malik Willis is going to get drafted in the
0: first round. We know Kenny Pickett's mm-hmm. going to get
1: drafted in the first round.
0: So that's two. So one person had him pulling out yesterday in their most recent mock draft.
1: Yeah, I, 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 It was my dad, point,
0: so it didn't matter.
1: Pittsburgh's going to take one of them, and mm-hmm. and in my opinion, I think Malik, Malik Willis doesn't get past eight, I think the Panthers at six and the Falcons at eight. It's a bidding war between mm-hmm. who can, who can jump up. It, if the Panthers get, if they're on the clock at six and Malik Willis is there, I think they, because their, their offense coordinator last week was trying to sell, man, Sam Darnold is our guy. Sam Darnold is not your guy. Like you were, you were <laughs> no Malik guy. Willis is there. You're taking him. And then Atlanta would love to have Malik mm-hmm. Willis too. Cause they're like, Oh God, like we can build around that kid. And so we can I, blame him
0: for losses for years to come.
1: <laughs> and then I think Pittsburgh, makes like they're gonna be looking for their quarterback of the future because Mason Rudolph ain't it, Mitchell Trubisky ain't it. I think they're gonna be looking at Kenny Pickett going, this kid played all his college games right here at Heinz Field. It Mm
0: -hmm. just makes
1: a lot of sense in my mind. I know they like Willis too, but they're not gonna be able to get up high enough. So like right there, that's I know Pickett's going. I know Willis is going. So all I need is one more quarterback. Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got Ritter. Yeah, I think I think I think Corral and Ritter Probably both slide into the first as well and end up with four.
0: Yeah, it's weird, too, because, you know, we talk about the injury thing where there's so there's so many players this this time around where I feel like like Jameson Williams. Like, I mean, he tore his ACL three months ago. He's ahead of schedule or whatever that would mean. And I mean, we saw we saw how quick of a recovery Pickens had, like, you know, throughout the season. Um, I don't know if it's something similar to that, but like the NFL is also a different Different level. I mean, the SEC football and those two programs are obviously are, are very, very tough and, and physical, but him coming, like it, it surprised me how many teams have just openly been like, like, yeah, we're not worried about the injury. Like he, he could possibly go in the top 10. Um, especially cause I'm old and that used to be like a career ending injury. Uh, what, what are the SEC players that you think are like, I saw something the other day that somebody compared Josh Pascal to um, shit. What was his name? Number 41. Why can't I think of his name from Kentucky? Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, and they were comparing like, the, the numbers and, and, and Pesco was actually way ahead of where Allen was at his time in Kentucky. There's a lot of players. I feel like I have to say it every year that are severely underrated in this class. The fact that the Kobe Dean, some, some idiot GM is going to sit there and be like, I don't like him. He's too short. Like you're a fucking woman on a dating website or a, <laughs> on a dating app. And that's what we're basing our NFL draft picks off of. That, that's crazy to me. He, like just put on the tape.
1: Yeah, I think I think, um, think Nicobe Dean absolutely should be a first round pick. I got mm-hmm. to interview him uh, a week ago and that kid, like five, spend five minutes with him and you love him. I mean, he, he says all the right things, right? You, you put the film on, he's a stud, you know, this whole thing about, oh, he's short. I mean, that, that's what I asked him. I said, what, what's the number one complaint you're getting from scouts or whatever, or things that you need to work on? He said, well, they're talking about my height. I'm like, well, there's nothing you can do about that. Like yeah. <laughs> you can't get taller but, like, it's just so stupid because we see guys every year. Kyler Murray was too short. And, and, I mean, the guy was played at an MVP level, you know, two years ago and, and gets his team to the playoffs. I mean, like, he's – like, I wouldn't worry about that. But but the, the bigger storyline to me is going to be – let's say Nicobe Dean sneaks in the back end of the first. Let's say Devontae Wyatt. Like, Georgia mm-hmm. is going to set a record for most Georgia players drafted in the first round of a draft. I went back and looked it up. The Yo, what's most, the total? The most players Georgia's ever had drafted in the first round – is three. It was I in 2004. 2000- okay. It was 2018. Um, I mean, unless my maths are, I, 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 I researched it pretty hard the other day, going back year by year by year.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it was Isaiah Wynn. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget. Was Whoever that Solomon? Was. That wasn't Solomon. No. Was probably Chubb uh, was in there.
1: No. Michelle was. Michelle, I think. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But it was three. Like, Georgia is going to have Trayvon Walker. Jordan Davis, I think are both locks. And then it's, you know, is it Devontae Wyatt? Is it I mean, the, the the crazy part is three Georgia Bulldogs were invited to the draft in Vegas, and Trayvon Walker isn't one of them. Now, I think he may have turned down an invite. Like he may have said, I wanna I wanna watch it from home or whatever. But like it, maybe he's that, practicing getting some
0: game experience.
1: Trayvon Walker could go number one overall, and he's not gonna be there in Vegas. Like that's insane.
0: But here's, here's the thing, too. We've all had to sit here and watch it, especially during the COVID years, just how fucking awkward, painfully awkward Roger Goodell is. So, like, maybe know, like, that's I, I Just, oh, like, every, he is the epitome of a white dude fucking up a dap with his black friend every single time. I mean, my God. Like, you, like the, the year he was at home in his, like, little fucking, like, I wouldn't call it a man cave, but, like, um, when he was... He was like, like people were booing him from the screen and he would like turn his back from the camera and be like, yeah. oh, come on, guys. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. I was like, please fucking stop. Please stop. Um, <laughs> I, no, it I, was all,
1: you, that's all you got? Hey, right. come on, guys. <laughs> let me put my Mr. Rogers sweater on and
0: Oh, my God, man. I, if, you know, if he had any sort of likability, uh, you know, we're not going to fucking talk about Roger Goodell. Um, no, so uh, here's another thing about the Georgia stuff. And I feel like we talk way too much about these, just those two teams a lot, but they really have dominated so much of not just the draft, but college football in general, and there's people always get upset like about like when you talk about one team, but you know a lot of times like those are the teams that are making the most news. And Georgia has done nothing but that uh, this offseason, even after winning the Natty, um, the combine they had was one of the most impressive collective efforts I think ever, probably in that in that um, event. But I heard this morning I was listening to uh, uh, I think it was 960 the ref in Athens, um, and Mike Griffith is on which is appointment radio. And, um, I was listening to it and he made a comment. I don't see. He's been a journalist for 30 years. So I just, I feel like I'm supposed to trust him, but he said two things today that I I need someone to check for me. And it's not because it's, it's, you know, petty Georgia shit. It's just, I need someone to tell me I'm not crazy. One, he said Georgia should have won the national championship in 2018 because they would have beaten Clemson. They would have beaten Clemson.
1: Okay. The, well. the
0: team that, yeah. Okay, so throw that <laughs> part out there first. And then second, he said he thinks that they are going to break LSU's record of 14 draft picks with, with 15, possibly up to 17, and went so far as to say like that record would be broken. I, I mean, this is a deep, deep class, and I think if there's ever a time, like, like if, you're, if you're in the sixth, seventh round and you are between guys and there's a Georgia defensive player on the board, like, yeah, you fucking take them without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, because they were all so good this year, but it also brings up the topic, you know, we, we were kind of kicking around before this is, again, like, how many times did you watch Georgia games this year and go, man, Trayvon Walker, number one pick in the draft. Like, man. I never once thought that. I said, good player, good rotation. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and the problem is they had so many good players on that defense, but mm-hmm. I never went, yeah, Trayvon Walker. Like, if anything, with all the hype and everything surrounding it, I came into the season going – and Jordan Davis is a top lock to be a top five pick.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize he wasn't even a first rounder until like until the uh, the combine. But the thing with with um with uh Trayvon as well is the fact that like it, I, I didn't really see it. Like they got better and better because because Kirby rotates so many guys, so he he wasn't technically a starter right by by a lot of means. Um, But the moment I realized I was like, oh, that kid's built fucking different is the Michigan game, and not because it was compared to to Hutchinson, but like. When he had it, I think it was a pulling guard, or was it just somebody coming down on him, where he just forearm checked and still made the tackle, and just with fucking all the ferocity like imaginable. Um, I, you know, we make fun of the Big Ten offensive lineman. That's still a three hundred pound dude coming downhill on you. It, though, that defense is built differently. That kid, I think, is the epitome of a like like it, he is. He's the best looking baseball player right like he's like he's like a perfect 90s baseball player like this guy like he just he looks the part and he showed up and obviously balled out at the combine um yeah i, don't, I, I but i don't know man like the, the fact that he has only 500 snaps i would take him over Thibodeau any day of the week because i think thibodeau has got so many so much shit off the field um that is i just don't think he likes football
1: well, what, well yeah let me clear that up because i talked with somebody about that recently a, a scout who who studied Kayvon Thibodeau and you know he made those comments about I need to go to Alabama I could create my own mm-hmm. legacy at Oregon yeah dude what was your what was your Heisman moment at, at Oregon like what's your right. most memorable moment at
0: Oregon nobody also by Cl- the way that school is tied with Auburn for <laughs> world uh U.S. world news rank in the country at, at 99 or 100.
1: Hey Bo Nix thoughts and prayers wish you the best of luck but like uh, at least Clowney had the friggin hit on the Michigan running back that, Mm -hmm. like, is memorable and and everybody saw. I mean, if that's an NFT, I'll put my bid in right now because, you know, whatever. But, like, you know, like, what's Kayvon Thibodeau's most memorable moment? But uh, the scouts that I talked to said the issue was when he walked into interviews with these NFL teams and stuff is he acted like he was already in the league. Yep. And he carried himself a little bit too much arrogance. And it's good Mm -hmm. to be cocky. It's good to be confident at times but it turned teams off because it was like, well, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, so when you guys take me, uh, you know, this is what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be doing all this other stuff. And I've already got my charity and my foundation set up and all this other stuff. And they're like, well, it's, business, they he,
0: it's more about what football can do for him.
1: Yeah. It's like, is this a job interview or is this right. like, we didn't draft you yet. And so that's what turned some teams off. Like, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a good player, but that's what, you know, when I because I keep hearing people say off the field and it's not like he, it's not obvious. No right. Yeah. It, it was just that. But but let but, me I mean, just
0: I, let me just quick, run through
1: I, this real quick. Trayvon ahead. Walker, mm-hmm. gonna be a first round pick. Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, Devontae Wyatt, all potential first round picks for
0: Georgia. Lewis Seen, too.
1: Lewis Seen could sneak into the first round. If not, it'll be a high second. George Pickens is gonna be a high second
0: round. Every yeah.
1: teams are teams on are, are high on him, and wide receiver is gonna fly off the board.
0: His number, real quick on that, his number was at 36 and a half and dropped to 35 or 34. So he's right outside the first round, too.
1: Uh, Quay Walker is mm-hmm. going to get drafted. Jamari Salyer going to get drafted. Right. Channing Tyndall going to get drafted. James Cook is going to get drafted. Zamir White, uh, Darian Kendrick,
0: Zemir, oh, yeah. she,
1: Justin Schaefer, yeah. and probably Jake Kamara to the punter. So, I mean, like, you're literally talking a dozen guys. And so, yeah, I don't know if they're going to break LSU's record, but Georgia's going to have a dozen guys drafted.
0: You better hope they don't because they will never let you fucking forget it uh, for sure. Um, no, one more thing on the Thibodeau thing. The, the only thing, because because I think, and with I'm not saying it's not with good reason at times, but I think that the reason why people think I hate Thibodeau is because of those Bama comments. And that just added fuel to the fire. It wasn't the, the main reason, though. But I, I talked to the, the people that like worked with him, mentored him and all that kind of stuff and like trained him, um, in depth about it. And it was like, it was, they were so shocked because of, he just, it's it's just always something he was good at. That's it. And I think that's, I honestly, I think that's kind of great and refreshing in a lot of ways, but he, he definitely gave me the vibes of like, I'm the smartest person in the room and I'm going to let you know it. And which is never a good sign. I've never played that role, so I don't really get it. But I mean, um, it. hopefully one day inside jokes. would love to be a part of one someday.
1: <laughs> I almost wonder if Saban watched that interview with him and said, thank God we didn't get that kid. Like, cause yeah. it feels like everybody who goes to Bama checks their ego at the door. I mean, cause Saban's not going to put up with it. And it's you know,
0: almost,
1: almost, well, <laughs> good luck with the Longhorns. But, you know, I think, I think it would have been, you know, Saban, like he, he makes you check that at the door, like the minute Mm -hmm. you get in the program. So I I don't know. I just look, probably would have been great at Bama. Probably would have been top five pick anyway, but. I don't uh, think he plays in
0: front of Will Anderson. I mean, to be honest, these are all hypotheticals that don't even matter. But um, anyway, no, I think it's a good point. And I will say real quick, people, people keep making, even the person that made, had the take this week publicly and got praised for it, mainly by himself. And I love him to death. But people laughed at me once again about when I said Texas is going to be back this year. And I have gave out all the reasons why. And I I said it one time, I think I predicted they'd make the playoff one year with Michigan, which is really bad. Um, that did not happen. But I think going into year two, we've talked about this, and now they've got all these fucking four Baron players. That week two game, they're gonna put a 40 points minimum on Bama's defense for sure. Ooh, I,
1: I don't know. I'll tell you this: there are major concerns with Texas's offensive line. Mm-hmm. Like they're offering dudes. 50 grand to come play offensive line at, at Texas right. and they still can't, they can't keep it. They got dudes hitting the portal and mm-hmm. like the, the dudes that they have, they like, they're hoping that they're going to be good. But like my buddy who covers the Longhorns, he's like, dude, th- they have major questions on this offensive line. Yeah. Like Quinn Ewers, You got the receivers. You got look, Tom Herman had no problem recruiting safeties, DBs, receivers. Mm-hmm. Their problem was in the trenches. They lost the battle in the trenches.
0: And oh their their defensive numbers were atrocious last year. that's I mean, and you know, when I looked into the deep dive and talk about all the five stars, like they do have two five-star incoming freshmen on the offensive line, but you know, they're freshmen and that that could work, you know, a number of ways, as we've seen um over and over. Okay, so we, we got only a few minutes left. Um because I have a Facebook Marketplace meetup that I'm going to probably get murdered at. Uh,
1: what are you selling? bro? I'm don't not say, telling you. It's like not a even a PS5. Even,
0: no, it's my shoes. No, I'm kidding. A PS5. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a PS5, we probably wouldn't be doing this interview right now. No, because it's PS5. on the
1: news. That's on the news every night. Like, kid went to go sell his
0: PS5 and got shot and killed. So what are you fucking doing, Gordy? <laughs> I got to meet this guy in like 12 minutes. Why would you fucking tell me that? I'm Please. selling him something way less important than a PS5. <laughs> I mean, be safe, bro. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's Okay. Now I'm going <laughs> to, I need to wake rich up, and tell him to come help me in, in the front yard. Oh yeah. Um, definitely
1: don't go alone.
0: Okay. I'm real. I'm going to fucking have a nightmare now because this is like this. I There's no oh, man. This is fucking stupid. I mean, if you
1: need to FaceTime me or something, you know, at least you have a witness. Yeah, yeah,
0: Gordy, that, that'll probably help the situation. If I just FaceTime you, that guy will probably still not shoot me. Be like, Hey, and wave at you. All right. Listen, so we have 10 minutes. Um, I do want to go over this. This is the main reason I want to have you on, is that uh, we've been trying to go over uh, recaps in the spring. We'll have you. um, Well, yeah, I haven't told you this yet, but you were going to be um, doing, you know, thirty minutes to an hour video later on in a couple weeks, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of just recapping this the spring uh, and talking about anything but the Astros. But obviously, a lot of off-season attention, um, news, all that good stuff. Um, I think good stuff because of all the changes happening in Baton Rouge, right? uh so brian kelly comes in They had a spring game last week i was already fucking furious at him because they started it like 30 minutes early and didn't tell anybody so by the time i started it it was like 31 to 24 already it was really weird um did you go to the game i know you watched it
1: yeah i watched it and and i talked to multiple people who were there and and um yeah i mean the the big story really really the two teams that were playing their spring games last in the SEC, LSU and Ole Miss, mm-hmm. the biggest storyline is quarterback. Right. You know, neither, neither team really mm-hmm. knows who their quarterback is. I think for LSU, it's actually they're actually in a good spot. Yeah. Like Because you go back 10 years ago, and you're talking Jordan Jefferson, Brandon Harris, like who's going to be our starting quarterback and throw for 86 yards? But, right now, it's like who's going to be our starting quarterback and throw for 300 yards? So, like, they're in 40- a much better spot.
0: When you say that, I don't think people understand this as much because, like, this is what, why Joe, Joe Burrow was such a revelation outside. Like, people know about the 2019 season. I remember looking into this when he got there because we we said from early on, it was like this kid's gonna be it, like a massive improvement just from like the physical capabilities because they ranked last or second to last in offensive or in, in touchdowns uh, thrown for the eight seasons prior to Joe Burrow being there in a row. Right. That's crazy. I mean, a
1: lot of that was Les Miles. He wanted to, to ground and pound. You know, if your quarterback throws for 80 yards Number and you win the game, pick. you win the game 17 to 13, Les Miles was happy. Um, yeah. But, you know, in this day and age, you know, you got to throw, you know, look at look at Georgia, look at Alabama. Like, you got to score points to win in this league now. So I think, just a quick recap, like Garrett Nussmeyer has been mm-hmm. the most impressive this spring. He, everybody thought it was going to be between Miles Brennan and Jaden Daniels. Garrett Nussmeyer has been the guy who's won over a lot of people this spring. Mm-hmm. He was a true freshman last year. He's a gunslinger. He is not mm-hmm. afraid to throw it down the field. Sometimes it's going to uh, result in something bad, but a lot of times it results in something good. And the kid throws an awesome deep ball. Garrett Nussmeyer, I like, has to at least you have to at least consider he is in this race. That said, I think at the end of the day, Brian Kelly is going to default to experience. Miles mm-hmm. Brennan is in his sixth year. But he's only got a handful of starts under his belt. I mean, the kid kids been a walking a walking. Went through one touchdown in
0: 2019. Think about how many, how many points they were up on on teams late. Well, and
1: there were but there were games that year where they wanted to pull Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter and they couldn't because the defense mm. was giving up points true, still. True. And so, but whatever. Jaden Daniels has over 30 career starts at Arizona State. So, like if anything, he's the most experienced. The problem is his running ability is awesome. Like he he looked great mm-hmm. in the spring game. If it, it was one hand touch, if there was tackle, I, like he would have had over 100 yards rushing. Like right. he's he's really really good. He's not the great passer, The greatest no. passer. He's he's very inconsistent. Miles Brennan's been okay. Like he the the big thing with Brennan is he was a little overweight. He had to get conditioned, get himself back into shape. So like. I mean, look, dude, fucking dude, NIL
0: with walk-ons. He,
1: exactly. And raising canes. And he wasn't playing yeah. football for two years. I mean, you and I would have put on 20, 25
0: pounds. Oh, I would have done it regardless. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so he's still kind of getting himself back into full conditioning shape. But that said, like, this this is still completely wide open. And my my reaction from the spring game was, all right, it's either going to be Brennan or maybe even start Nussmeyer, but you bring in packages for Jaden Daniels because of his mm-hmm. running ability. Mike Denbrock, the OC, said, oh, yeah, we could do two quarterbacks. Brian Kelly last weekend was asked. He said, no, not a big fan of the two quarterbacks. I want to go with one. So, again, and how many he, times
0: did he say experience when he was talking about the quarterbacks, especially with Brennan?
1: He said it a lot. He said it yeah. a lot. So, um, so I, to answer your question, like if they had to start a game tonight, I would start Garrett Nussmeier. That's me. But mm-hmm. I think this thing's going to play itself out through the spring. I think Brennan's going to get himself back more into shape. I think it's going to be end up being Miles Brennan. But, again, in my mind, you got to have some packages for Jaden Daniels just for his running ability because he's just so dynamic and he's so quick and he's hard to bring down.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's – I hate to say it. I'm trying to be negative about it, but I was very surprised he went to LSU. And, you, and, and we, we, like, live in a world where, like, NIL is different and there's opportunities and all that kind of stuff. But, like, usually for quarterbacks especially, you're not going somewhere unless you've had some kind of conversation or some overwhelming confidence that you're, you're going to get to play. Right, especially if you're if you've already started for two or three years at your school. Um, I did not think he was walking into a very favorable situation um from a talent standpoint, especially in the size as well. Um, but yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting if they get a package for him because Brian Kelly, we talk about Les Miles and he's not the same as Les Miles. He he's just like it's like every quarterback he's ever had is Kellen Mond, but he's but like but white and Catholic. That's right. that's every quarterback he's ever had, and so um, I, I think that like, he's going to go with like a safe play. He's like, he's like girls in their senior year of college. are like, I just, I guess I've been dating him for two years and his dad owns a state farm. So we'll just, I'm going to marry do. Gareth. Yeah. So um, I, I think I was, it was surprised to see the numbers were so bad from, from Daniels and, and Brennan, I think he threw for less than a hundred yards, which is almost impossible to do considering how many points were scored. My bigger question is, I know Kayshawn Boutte was out. Um, mm-hmm how the running back situation is Emory going to ever like, is he just Trey Sanders, but without like the leg injuries, like what, like, like for real. So he's going to be the, like
1: all signs point to, he's going to be the number one back because, oh, um you know, he got banged up about a week or two ago. And so he was limited and they didn't even like, a lot of people thought he wasn't going to play in the spring game. And then Brian Kelly came out a week ago and was like, Oh no, he's playing. And yeah. then he played and he only had a couple carries and he looked okay. But I think the bigger story was what the other running backs look like. Armani Goodwin mm-hmm. looked great. I mean, uh, Bradford, like they, they've they got some good running backs at LSU. And, and they were Always. they were gashing that, um, you know, the, the interior of the D line in that second half. So I, I came away actually pretty impressed. Like last year, LSU, uh, you know, take away the Ty Davis price game against Florida, where he set the That's single incredible. rushing record. They did not run the ball very well last year. I think they're going to get back. Brian Kelly's getting back to the meat and potatoes. Dominant offensive line playing, running the football. I think like from what I saw from LSU in the spring game, I'm not ready to say six and six. Like, I, I would say seven, eight wins is absolutely in play. But I think that first game against Florida State is the most important one. Like if they win that one, you're gonna walk into the season with a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, suddenly you look at Auburn, you go, that's they're not scared. Like, that's a beatable team if we play well. Florida's a beatable team this year if we play well. So I think, I think LSU is looking at it and saying, you know, I think fans will talk themselves into saying the ceiling for this team could be 9-10 wins, but it's a transition year. I think both Billy Napier and Brian Kelly both get a pass this year because everybody knows you're in a transition year. Wait. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't – but see, everything gets so ramped up every year. like Like – LSU fans, it are weirdly logical, which is a it's it sounds bizarre to say because the fact that one, they're always drunk, and then two, um, they just fired a coach that won a national championship, you know, two years ago. But at the same time, like that fan base is like they've been pretty happy with the success they've had from there. And I think they do understand like, all right, listen, we have an uphill battle. We have to like, we can't just keep it like for so many years. I feel like they beat their heads against the wall with like, we have the best defense and and look, we have all these like these players. We all we do is beat Bama. And they, they just couldn't figure out ways to consistently do that with us miles. Um, the Napier situation, I think I, I wonder how it's going to play out because Florida fans were not very uh, patient with Mullen. And it was, and, and now like, and a lot of this is just what I see on Twitter, which is not a real world, but like the fact that now that they have for the first time consistently over five year, like five years since five years, since like the eighties, they are looking up at Georgia, which is a fucking monster. And they are well behind the eight ball on that because of uh, Dan Mullen's lack of recruiting. So I don't know if, if, if they're going to have as much, um, I don't know, leniency with, with Navy. It'll be interesting to see. Let's get over to the old Miss thing real quick, because I think that that part of it too, is like you, you brought this up the, the overconfidence, which I think every fan base is going to have. Right. And as you should, it's it is fucking rampant this off season. Everyone's going, it's getting 10 wins. Uh, and this is so many teams overachieved last year, especially with some of the first-year coaches. What did you see from Ole Miss, and why was the biggest thing that stood out the fact that my uh, Jackson Dart as the fourth-best quarterback of the SEC one of the worst mistakes i ever made?
1: Yeah, um, I think Ole Miss takes a step back this year, and it's nothing against Lane Kiffin, but look, man, you lose all those pieces on your coaching staff, and then on top of it, you lose all these pieces on the team. Like, Corral is the headliner, right? Like, losing Corral hurts. But the bigger issue to me is losing losing the backfield. I mean, Jerry and Ely, yeah. the what those guys did in the run game left. yeah, was was unbelievable. And I like the two kids they're bringing in, the kid from mm-hmm. TCU and the kid from SMU. Like, I think they'll be fine. But I, I just look at it and say, like, you're not going to be able to be as good as last year. And so, you know, the hope was Jackson Dark comes in and he's Matt Corral, you know, light. Like, he can give you some of the, the elements that he gave you. and. You know, Lane Kiffin even said it. He thought he was pressing. He was trying too hard in the first half of that spring game. I mean, it was God awful. If you can go back, there's like a three-minute YouTube video recapping Jackson Dart's first half in the spring game. It was terrible. Throwing ball, balls at people's knees. Yeah, I mean, he's under pressure. He kept t- wanting to take off and run. I'm like, dude, stop running. It's a spring game. You're supposed to yeah, try to throw it. Is it. I mean, we know you can run um, through two terrible interceptions. I mean, it was God awful. Luke Altmaier, he's like the safe pick, like you talked about earlier. Like you'll, he's also do, talented though. He's good, yeah, he's fine, but like he's not going to be Corral. He's not going to. He might be Bo Wallace. Like that might be Luke Altmaier's ceiling. But yeah. like, I think Lane's looking at it going. Look, Jackson, if you're not going to cut down on these mistakes, and like I'm going to go with Luke because yeah, at least I know what I'm getting from him. Now Jackson Dart's got the higher upside. He can make mm-hmm. the big plays down the field and all that. So I was surprised how. um calm Ole miss fans were like on message boards and twitter and all that that was reading right they they were saying we under like jackson dart just got here he's learning the system still like a lot of them were pretty level-headed saying we still believe he's going to be the guy he just needs time so we'll see but i i think like eight eight and five is a type of year old miss has this year and i'm not I mean, trying Penn to take Wayne a last
0: shot year is really impressive
1: yeah, you're just not going to, you're not going to do that again. I mean, it's the SEC is just too tough. So right. again, I, I think, but like eight and 5 is not bad in a transitional year, but but Kiffin has done a fantastic job in the portal. I think the defense mm-hmm. actually has a chance to be a little bit better this year. And I know you're losing Chance Campbell and Sam Williams and a lot of mm-hmm. good pieces, but like, I kind of like some of the pieces they've added, uh, Ladarius Tennyson. Like, I think they've got some good pieces. And I think the defense could be a little bit better for all this.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think – and you almost want to say it couldn't get worse, but, like, they, they made improvements last year, too, at times. They did. Um, but I'll give you this stat. This is – because when I made the comment about Jackson Dart, I was very confident because of the numbers that all every quarterback has put up under Lane Kiffin. I mean, J, Pierre, Jacob Coker threw for 3,000 yards. Think about that with yeah. that offense. Um, I, that, that kind of stuff is, like, it's like, shocking me. But in the last 10 years, you look at, like, him as whether it's, like, been the OC – or I think it was, like, he's out at USC – then the OC at Bama. And then when he took over at FAU and then his first year at, at Ole Miss seven of those 10 seasons, he's had a 3000 yard passer, or a 30 touchdown passer. The only time he didn't. Okay. The only time he did, I think he, he had, um, hold on, give me a second here. Cause you know, I'm going to get confused by my own handwriting and stats. Uh, okay. No, he's in eight of the 10 years. He's had at least, uh, his quarterbacks had at least 30 total touchdowns. The two years he didn't, it was at FAU. Um, and it's because he had a running back that had the, he was number one in the country in total touchdowns and total yards. He it, he ran for almost 2000 yards one season and 33 touchdowns. So I think that in a year like that, if, if he doesn't have a quarterback, Lane Kiffin is, as much as we look at him as like this, you know, super aggressive and the analytics, all that kind of shit and going forward and forth. He, he has done one thing consistently in his career. And that is, he finds who his fucking horse is and he just feeds him and feeds him and feeds him. And it, it doesn't matter if it's a quarterback or a running back. We've seen like,
1: Derrick you know,
0: Henry, Derrick Henry, Amari Cooper, like both, like, you know, they had three offensive players of the year in a row and they were all three different positions, but you have a stud running back with, with Zach Evans. Um, I don't, I don't think he's afraid. Like, like Kiffin wants to win. He's not going to, he's not going to just air it out just to air it out. So I, I, I think that they're going to be safe in that, that regards, but yeah, I think you're also right. I don't, I don't see how they don't take a step back. The other part of it, too, the last thing I'll say is you brought up the LSU, um, the LSU Florida State game. And I think that that might might be the most important game for a team or for a conference strictly based off the optics of what it would be if they lost.
1: Yeah, and you're you're at home. Like, you're in New mm -hmm. Orleans. It's going to be a super LSU crowd. So, like, that's a game you have to win. But for Ole Miss, like, I will not discount – You're gonna say I'm nuts, but like they take they take an early road trip to Georgia Tech. Like that's one that like Ole Miss better win. Like it's hold
0: on, is it in Bobby
1: Dodd? I'll go to that in a heartbeat. (laughs) I like I don't know. You you just I was looking at all the non conference games this year, and like some of them are like yeah, you should win that one, but like some are like you better not slip up because it's like SEC embarrassment uh, coming if you do.
0: Well, and also, like you said, the thing with those early games, especially, is that can define a season for some teams, especially if you're fragile. Like if if you're in a locker room that does not have that guy and like or that group of guys that's like, hey, like time to nut up and we have to like turn this thing around. That thing can get away from you quick. I'm just trying to figure out what I don't see. Oh, they're playing in Bobby Dodd. We're going to the yep. fucking game. So it's a week after Bama, Texas. This is incredible. Um, all right. We got to wrap up because I feel get murdered by this person um, for a Yeti cooler. So uh, this is going to
1: be the yeah. most listened to podcast ever. we got to listen to moments before Marlar died. We got to listen to this. podcast. Let, yeah,
0: let me. This is so fucking morbid. But you know, if that happens, let me say a few final thoughts here and, <laughs> and we'll sign off. Um, one, let me see the fucking dogs. Two, ACLs matter. And three, I'm just I'm telling you right now it's the revenge season, and also Texas is going to be in the, in the playoff. So I'll close with that. I love all of you. Hopefully, I don't get murdered. If I get murdered, it's gonna be real fucked up, man.
1: Let me let me give you just a quick couple quick thoughts of some other teams. Yeah,
0: you close it out on you, especially if I die. I think uh, that's important.
1: I was I know it was a spring game. Stetson Bennett Jr. looks like he is going to be even better this year, and I'm a guy who's doubted him. I think he it's takes fun. his game to a next level. I think he's throwing 300 yards a game. I think the Georgia offense is incredible mm-hmm. this year with Eric Gilbert and all the pieces they've added. Like, I think Stetson Bennett Jr. should be in the Heisman conversation okay. at the end of this year. But that's my overreaction takeaway. I think Anthony Richardson is going to be really good at Florida. I think Florida is going to be better than they're supposed to be. They're going to upset somebody they're not supposed to. They're going to beat a team like Kentucky or somebody that like we're not expecting them to. They're going to win this year because Florida starters are good. Florida has no depth. So if they get injuries, they're screwed. But, like, I think Florida's going to gonna beat somebody, an opponent or two they're not supposed to. Lastly, I have major concerns about Alabama's offensive line. Yeah, I sure. think they've got talent everywhere. The fact that you're bringing Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt and he's probably going to start is major red flags to me. We saw it in the spring game. Bryce Young was, like, running for his life. And then, look, I know Dallas Turner and Will Anderson are mm-hmm. free. So, like, you know, th- th- they're going to do that to everybody. But – Offensive line, I'm just, I'm worried. And I'm worried Could if Bryce be. Young gets hit a lot, man, you don't, God forbid, you don't want to see an injury. But like, I just can't remember in recent years Alabama being this weak at the offensive line. Again, they're going to get Dow Court. They're going to get like a lot of these guys back healthy. Excuse
0: my language. I shouldn't have said that. Like, you're probably <laughs> a great person. But like, like they, they, are, they already have all the, like, the talent there. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a development problem, and you also had an offensive of line coach that was the former head coach in the NFL. So you think like from, you know, from like it, it, they hit on everything. It seemed like, but they were bad, man. They they were bad. I had I had a buddy call me today, and he was pissed because I was so high on Georgia in their spring game versus ours. And then at the end of the conversation, when he after he kept telling me how wrong I was and how stupid I sounded, then those were his exact words, which I really appreciated and actually respected. But um, I was like, so what do you think about our spring game? And he was like, I didn't watch it. Okay, well, you're in for a fucking treat. So, wow. yeah, yeah, I think, I think if, you're, you're right, man.
1: If you're Bama, you ride that defense. Dallas Turner and Bryce Young are going to live in backfields and get you turnovers and get you sacks and all that. And you ride Jameer Gibbs in that run game. He's going to be really good this year. So, like, it's almost like I think Bryce Young's numbers take a step back this year because you don't have the Jamison Williams. You don't have the John Mechie. I, I'm, I mean, the receivers are fine. They're not as good as those two guys. I think the, the passing game comes down a little bit. But I think you run the ball much better with right. Jameer Gibbs. And I think you, you know, it's going to be a lot more games this year. Obama wins 24 17, 24 10. You know, I think you have that, that more games like that this year.
0: If they're scoring less than 30 points a game, I'll be shocked. All right. I got to go get murdered. Um, stick around. We do have an incredible interview with Chuck Smith, former uh, Tennessee. Um, I think he's a first round pick. I think maybe second round. Uh, also, an all pro defensive end. Uh, well, yeah, I should know that too. Um, a all-pro defensive end with the Atlanta Falcons, a good buddy of mine. We do a, a show together. And th- so here's the thing about this show. And I, this is, this is like one of the main reasons I enjoy being on it. It's like people will joke around with us. Or like, I'm sure you get it too, where they think that you're famous and you know, I'm not fucking famous, like at all, but people will be like, like, they, because they listen to like a podcast, like people it always amazes wait. me talking to actual famous people how different their fucking life is, and and I say that because on this show it's him and Bob Whitfield, and they just start they will casually mention these stories, and I got I got Chuck to sit down, he broke down all the defensive ends because he's he's trained almost all of them, he was the main person that trained Thibodeau um, as well, and he's he has forty one guys that are, are projected to be a part of this uh, this draft, whether it's uh, free agents or signings, is mostly ever had. Just an incredible job and a wealth of knowledge, especially at the, at the pass rushing position. Um, also got to talk a little bit about Tennessee. Talked a little bit about Will Anderson. Uh, gave us some sleeper picks for next season um, and in the NFL and also uh, in college from guys that he's trained. Uh, told us about one of the hardest workers he's worked with all offseason. was a Georgia player. Um, but stay for the end because I asked him very simply, give me your best Dion story that you can you can tell us. And I'm just going to throw out these names. And let you listen to him after for that. Deion Sanders, Tupac Shakur, Suge Knight, Janet Jackson, the Wu-Tang Clan, Barry Bonds, and then the coup de grace. Because when he threw out Barry Bonds, I was like, what the fuck was going on? What is happening right now? And he said, without missing a beat, he goes, oh, you know what? You know who Dion's boy was? was Mark Lemke. And I about fucking fell out of my chair. Because that just there's no two people in this world besides like, Vladimir Putin and and me that I think would ever not want to be running to them more than that. It's just like, or like, you know, like, what, like Mark Limke as a terrible example. I shouldn't have said, Vladimir Putin that was really bad. Um, but Mark Limkey and Deion Sanders being boys, like what the fuck yeah. is that? <laughs> like white men can't bunt. <laughs> we <William's> on that. <laughs> Gordy, tell them where they can find you. You have a phenomenal podcast. Uh, I, I love it. Um, it's one of the few that I actually listen to.
1: Yeah, LockedOnSEC.com, the easiest way to find us or just search wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking SEC football daily, five days a week. So, you know, some of these are like marathon hour and a half episodes that Marler puts out that I have to listen to over the course of like six days.
0: Uh, uh, you're talking with the wrong podcast here, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's other podcasts like mine. that are like quick 20 minutes. You're in and out. It's daily, whatever. By the way, are, are you famous enough? Like if you went to a Houston's, could you get a free onion rings? Here's from the, the bartender.
0: Pig. First off, we don't because, serve on rings there. I got a free meal the other day. I took uh I took New Bay out there and we got like a hundred and fifty dollar meal paid for. But it was it was I hadn't seen that manager in a long time. Um, and so it was kind of riding a wave of not confidence. Also made me take my hat off when I walked in. So I was very I skimmed down on the order because I was nervous they were gonna make me pay for it.
1: Who so. was the celebrity you gave the free food to? And he was like yeah, Oh, everyone.
0: Thanks. Oh, Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle that when was I, it, yeah. Rob Riggle looked at me and said something he's like I asked for more sour cream I was like I'm gonna cut myself behind this bar." um yeah there's some incredible stories from famous people in there uh, I got I got dragged not dragged but I had a lot of uh, Instagram activity the other day because I think Killer Mike wrote some comment about how they need to support a specific type of business and how this like this is all about restaurant based and all this other shit and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I also watched you throw an entire plate of ribs on a coworker of mine because you were mad they weren't hot enough. And nobody believed it. I, a thousand percent. Avery, if you're listening, I still feel bad for you. So, all right, I got to go get murdered. Like I said, um, love everyone. Gordy, you're the man. We'll talk to you soon. Say bye, dickhead. Uh, RIP. See ya. You're <laughs> the worst. All right. We are now joined by one of my good friends, uh, coworkers. Um, yep. just, I, I'm not happy that you're still in better shape than me. It's been, we haven't seen each other in like three months and you're, you've somehow gotten younger. Don't, don't flex on me right now, Chuck, uh, <laughs> former Tennessee defensive lineman, former all pro defensive end for the Falcons, pass rush extraordinaire, uh, Chuck Smith. What's up, man. How you been?
2: I'm doing good, Chris. Just, uh, enjoying life, you know, it's been a busy year, but uh, I'm excited about all that's coming up in, uh, these next couple of months.
0: Yeah. You got a big week, man. This is like, I've been trying to get at you for for a minute because I mean, it's like one, the NFL draft. I know you, you're, you train constantly year round. You don't ever take a break. It's wild. But at the same time, this is like the first draft. I feel like in a long time where one, we might have a surprise pick at number one, right? We, we, we don't know it's like an offensive lineman or a quarterback days ahead. Um, But two, and I know you love this. It's almost certainly going to be a pass rusher. And you look at it, uh, what is it, Trayvon Walker has the, the best sides right now. But Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, and, and Kayvon Thibodeau, who should be the number one overall pick in the draft on Thursday?
2: Well, I think the number one overall pick is Kayvon Thibodeau. I think he should be, but he won't be. I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I think Trayvon Walker now, he's moving up the boards. A lot of teams like him because of the measurables. But I'm not quite sure from the on-field performance when it comes to being as a pass rusher, you know, is he as polished as those other two guys? No. Is his measurables and all that stuff, you know, bigger and as strong as those guys? Yes. So it's going to be really interesting, Chris, because there's a team that's going to pick. When you pick Trayvon Walker, to me, he's the biggest uh, uh, challenge, uh, unknown. That's a better way to say it than those other two guys I mean, those guys have proven they can spin they can dip they can bull rush they've rushed against premier tackles for years and the thing about Trayvon there's a learning curve there so to me I think Kayvon's the most skilled him and Hutchinson are close but I have no problem with getting Trayvon because from my understanding and being around you know being in the same circles I mean, the guy works his tails off, tail off. He's very disciplined. So a lot of NFL teams are saying, okay, if he has all those other traits. He's big. He's strong. He works hard. He's right. disciplined. He shows up early, stays late. We can work with that. And then I hear, you know, I understand he's, he wants to learn pass rush. So that's why teams are willing to take him so high when you're throwing all that together. You feel like he has the highest upside. And, you know, I don't disagree.
0: I'll tell you what, man, it's also the Jaguars that are picking. So, you know, they're not going to make a sound pick or a good decision. So <laughs> it'll be fun to see that way you work with so many guys. You, you told me, you told me off air, you've had 41 guys that are going to be in the draft this year, which is the most you ever had, Just right. is one congratulations, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Chris. Um, but but you also work with guys in college still and stuff like that. I saw what you did over spring break where you invited people to come and I, you know it wouldn't have been for me. You know I would have been at the beach. I would not have been working that that uh, that entire spring break. But it was it was hats off <laughs> to you for doing it. But give us a guy that that no one's talking about right now, um, but a year from now might be a household name either either in college and or the draft uh, coming up.
2: A second round guy is you know he's not what you're looking for, right? Someone <laughs> you're no, thinking he like a guy. Okay, let me tell you a guy that people haven't talked about enough with all the edges, and I'm going to tell you, Nick Benito, kid, man, played at Oklahoma, kid from South Florida, I trained. He's, he's undersized. He's got bend. He can rush. And I think, again, people aren't talking about him with all the top edges because he's undersized, but right. he's a beast. And let me tell you, let me tell you my, I got two real good sleepers that people are not talking about enough. Cameron Thomas. From San Diego State, big, tall, defensive end, played at the three-tech a lot of San Diego State because they didn't have no big guys. The dude can move, he can hustle, he can go- get after it. Let me tell you something. Here's the thing What happened, Chris. He ended up pulling his hamstring the week of the Senior Bowl. Oh, God. We're training. He, he wasn't training on me when he pulled it. I'm the skill <laughs> guy. I, I teach the spins, <laughs> but he pulled his hamstring with the speed guy, right, running 40s. Right. So here's the bad part about it. He doesn't do that. Then, because he's a he's a warrior, he's training for the combine. He gets oh, the no. combine. He tries to go, and you know the story. He goes out there and tweaks his hamstring. So Cameron Thomas. All right, let me give you one more. His name is The Problem. Oh God. James Houston, aka the problem from Jackson State. Might be DR. You told Stanton's me about him before. First draft he is a listen, he destroyed all the ball games, had a great pro day. When Dion had that universal pro day with all the schools from Mississippi, mm-hmm. and the guy can do everything—he can play inside backer, he can cover off the ball, he can play in a four-three, three-four—and he has pass rush ability. That listen, you don't give a guy a nickname like the problem if he right. ain't a problem. And so don't don't sleep on him. This guy's—he's a, a stud. And those are some guys, Chris, that people would definitely want to keep their eyes on.
0: I like that I've, one. I feel like you called me a problem when we first started doing TV together, but that was a different reason. Yeah, you, it wasn't because my are a problem. you are <laughs> a problem. <laughs> all right. We got uh, we got two more questions here. We'll get you out of here. We got one. that's a rapid fire. So it's, right. it's, it's like okay. some it's it's a couple questions in one. And then we got one last. Uh, hopefully, if you got a story for us as well. But um, all right. Two minute drill. Always. Three questions. Answer them as fast as you can, because nobody is better to ask than, than you on this. OK. And you know, weird. you know, we weren't going to get through an interview without me talking about Bama at some point. So, Will Anderson, <laughs> it, it, Will Anderson, like, and you know, I love stats. You know how I get about my deep dives. So, Will Anderson, yep. I saw like a, a couple months ago. He has the, the most pressures I think, in QB QB hurries in, in over the last three years in college football by like a, a wide margin. He's only played two years. Will Anderson led led the country in sacks, tackles for loss, all kind of stuff. He's the best college defensive player we've seen since when? Don't say you.
2: I'll say since I don't know when Miles Garrett came out. Okay. Let's quit that. Listen, I love Mr. Williams. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what I'm gonna say since Khalil Mack? Of course, listen, he's in that class with those guys. But let's be real now. I mean, I love the guy, Chris. Right. But he's the greatest. He's the greatest pass rusher since a couple years ago.
0: Okay, he, fine, fine, through. Chuck. We're gonna dump All that right, out. We're, we're gonna edit that. <laughs> You got, you got, you got, you with DT, DT had, he set the record for 27 sacks in a season and you got Bama fans out here thinking he could actually get to that, which is asinine. Chris,
2: Chris, you cannot edit that out. That is, that is I'm Bama, I'm fans, Bama fans. <laughs> Bama fans, y'all better know the truth. Cause you're hearing it from Dr. Rush, man. He is a it. phenomenal talent. Number one overall pick, but this generation is producing some beasts, man. I mean, they're Will Anderson is just the next step. Of right. what's coming. I mean, you know what I'm saying. What's yeah, I mean, look at the guys. Look at the three guys at the top of the list this year. Will's in that same class with those kind of guys, and he's fantastic. Oh, he's, he's a better but, t- than
0: Kayvon, for sure. He's he's stuff yeah. like that.
2: Hey man, stop. I'm not. Hey, listen. Will Anderson's a freak. Kayvon's a freak. But here's what I say about Will Anderson: the twenty whatever DT sack total. I don't I don't think he'll ever get there. Mm-mm. Number one, because he's gonna be doubled and tripled, and they're gonna slide mm-hmm. to him. But I think if he had some other guys, to, I'd love to see Will Anderson hit 50, going to get him 14, 15. If that offense at Alabama continues to put up big points. But here's the biggest thing. The biggest holdup for Will Anderson to get 20-plus sacks is one man. It's Mr. Nick Saban, Bama fan. Oh, don't Cause when y'all, Hold up, because when y'all blowing people out, Chris, Will Anderson's out the
0: game. Well, he so should be. Like you remember that guy at the chop block against Mercer last year? I lost my damn hey, mind, man. Chuck.
2: Hey, this is football. The point it's being, bad. Bama fans getting mad at Nick if Will don't get 20. But I understand the reason, but that's one of the other reasons because Nick's going to protect them and think right. about the big picture. So there's two sides there.
0: I love it. I love it. Also, Dallas Turner is a guy we got to look out for because that kid has been incredible off the other edge. Okay, who's the hardest worker you've trained so far in the draft?
2: Oh, the hardest worker i ever trained is Aaron. You mean this year or forever?
0: This year. Well you do both. Either well, way.
2: Oh, uh, I say Aaron Donald all time. Aaron Donald wanted to go every day, two, three times a day. Even when he was at was working on speed, he just wanted to continue to mm-hmm. work nonstop, continues to work. And I say this year, I say the guy that worked the hardest this year, in my opinion, I'd probably say Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. Okay. I mean, I mean, he put in the work. I mean nonstop. Because when Pro Day was coming, he was like, Man, I don't know what they're gonna give us. They keep talking about we don't play every downs. Me and Jordan, I got to work. So he was in shape. He was grinding when we were in Arizona. Yeah. He was grinding, preparing for Pro Day. He was grinding. Even now, he's putting in the work. So Devontae Wyatt, this pr- this year has been to me the hardest worker of the guys. And, and all of them have worked hard. But right, Vontae right. kind of Va- is is all out. Vontae yes. want the smoke, as they say now. Vontae wanted to go up the <laughs> chimney and get the smoke. <laughs> he works hard, though.
0: He works hard. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, no, that's, that's a good point. Man, that combine, he, they showed up. They, those some big boys, man, moving that fast under a four eight with him and Jordan Davis. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, it was. Last real question, and then we got to get to story time. We'll get you out of here, man. Is it, You went to Tennessee. You're the most logical and reasonable and, and nice Tennessee fan, even though you're not a fan because you played there, <laughs> I've ever met. What, like, what do you expect in year two under Heupel? Um, are, like, I don't – I'm not going to say the Vols are back because I'm I'm just not going to do that to myself right now. But what do you expect in year two after such an incredible year one he had?
2: Hey, real quick, Chris, when you talk about my niceness to being a Vol fan, you haven't met me when we're beating you guys, though.
0: Also you true. Me,
2: you have you. We've, we me. Hey, we've, been, we've been friends these last couple of years, but I ain't had a chance to really have a fight in the game. So now these Georgia fans who are cool. obnoxious. So, you know, I mean, so – Wait. If Tennessee – listen. If Tennessee ever can ever beat Bama, oh
0: my you god, definitely
2: don't. You will. If you're, I got you on speed dial, and it will be <laughs> crazy. So I'm not that nice, but right now, hell, we beat y'all in what? Hell, my years kid's on the. Yeah, my. I got a seventeen-year-old hell. He's what two? How long has it been? But um, I right, was that question again.
0: <laughs> are they? What are you in year two?
2: Oh man, I really expect, especially the offense. I I expect. Yeah. Coach Heupel, for the offense to take, you know, even more steps. I know they're working really hard. I just expect them to to win a couple of the big games. Like, right. play it where it's really scary. Like a Georgia or a Bama. Like, mm-hmm. really get into that fourth quarter and challenge them. You know, be able to beat the, you know, the teams that we should take care of. But I just, you know, I really like the vibe they got going. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, Chris? They're learning the NIL deal. They're oh. learning how to get the back. <laughs> They're learning how the NIL works, and that's working. Getting players too, as from me reading, but now on a serious tip though, I really like what's going on. I like the fans are happy. There's not a lot of drama. I think that's one of the best things, Chris. That yeah. you that I can say. Your fans,
0: too. not a lot of drama. We'll get that no, later.
2: No, 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 no. I, I mean like this, Chris. I mean not drama with the fans. I, I, that might have came out wrong. I mean, there's no real drama coming from the coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no negativity. There's no over-the-top promises there's no ridiculous slogans you know what i mean yeah, cats yeah. Are just really just putting in work. does that make sense so as a fan no, for sure like, like, okay. y'all haven't had that yeah. in a
0: while man you think about it yeah. it's, it's, it's been like a just a a, a, yeah. a clown parade going right. on over that's it's a good point <laughs> damn okay I, well, that, let's, was, let's, that was not my best here. example
2: <laughs> You, you—that no—that was you just trying to take a quick. That's really how you feel about Tennessee, but that's for another day. You just call that it is that.
0: No, I mean that's how I feel about Derek Dooley, and that's how I feel about Derek yeah. Pruitt and Butch Jones. But no, no I, got I mean you. no, you're it's right. you're it's right. inevitable, man. They're gonna—they played Bama close last year in, for three quarters, yeah, so it's. I,
2: I want to. We're gonna upset with the way Hooker and that offense is one of those big teams, Chris. Tennessee's mm-hmm. gonna mess around and and have that right day and, and knock them off. I believe it could happen this year.
0: I dude, I tell you what, and we we don't we won't get too much into it, but like they yeah. should have beaten Pitt, they should have beaten Purdue. I mean, that, that's it. I don't know how they lost to, to Florida. I mean, that's that, that's a team that easily could have won nine games. But um, yeah, I, I tell you this. Like, my mom told me a, a couple of weeks ago, actually it was after the national championship. She was like, you know, I'm really proud of you for being so mature now, and you don't seem to get as upset when Bama loses. And I was like, Mom, they don't lose. It's the same thing you're talking about. Like, you know, <laughs> you don't have a dog in the fight. It's like I, I don't know how. Yeah, um, all right, last question. <laughs> get you out of here. Okay. I'm going to put okay. you on the spot because one of my favorite things about this TV show, besides Jeffrey the Ed Schechter um, and, his, and his, uh, his camera work, is you and Bob just will be sitting there. I'm always wondering about some shit. I'm like angry about something in the, in the side uh, panel. But you and Bob will just start telling stories, and like the most random shit will come up. We'll t- we'll tell me about TLC, <laughs> Andre Ryzen. Give me, give us your best or f- that, that you're allowed to tell Dion story. Yeah.
2: Oh my best Dion story, I got one. Okay, it was 1994. So I'm riding with Dion. I'm a little homie. So back then, look at me. I'm a 25 year old rookie in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So Dion would always look out for the young guys, right? So meaning, you know, like Dion's wife at the time would cook for us. I mean, mm-hmm. Dion would be in spring training. So think about it. Because we were young guys, influential in the game. He was just like, man, you know, make sure you guys are good he take us to concerts and stuff like that. So one time he hit me up, he used to call me Face. As, as you can see, I got a big face. Okay, that was Dion's nickname for me, right? He used to call me Face. He's like, he called me, he's like, Face, you want to go to this concert? I was like, yeah. He said, who is it? It's uh, Snoop, it's Death Row, the whole nine. He's like, Death Row, I'm going to see Suge. You know, he's friends with Suge and Snoop and we're big fans. Now, remember, this is 1992, 94, somewhere in there. This right. is the new young. These guys are just yeah. coming out. You know what I mean? There is no, the, the, the chronic hadn't came out. You know what I mean? No, you NWA, but that's about it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I get in the limo. We go down to the Marriott Marquis in downtown. So he was like, I'm thinking I'm going to see them. But he was like, when we get to the hotel, Dion, I hear him talking. We're going to go to see Janet Jackson. So I'm riding out with Death Row. So I, we, right. I'm a young cat. Snoop with the big Afro, Suge. It was the dog pound. It was this group called Illegal, Lady of Rage. So we in the hotel. So all of a sudden, they start freestyling against the, uh, the valet. Corrupt starts freestyling with the valet. So, you know, I'm standing there, you know, Chris, I'm going no. to B-Boy myself.
0: I knew you were going to do
2: I had to jump in and give him some bars, Chris. You know, <laughs> I was like, throw no, the Rollies <laughs> in the air if you got the dope the rollies in the air if you like the most. We can floss big whips so we can spin you, chips. Got a lot of dough between my belt clips. We can spin it off. Hold,
0: hold on, hold on, hold me. on. You still got the lines? You still got the like the, the verses? Yeah. It's like the only rap that I ever
2: really wrote back
0: in the day. And I remember it because
2: I would always do that same rap. Where I would do the same rap. So look. Yeah. all right. So that was a rap before you interrupted me. So look.
0: My bad, my So bad, my we're bad, in the bad.
2: hotel. We're in the hotel. So we're we going to go to the Omni. So we go to the Omni <laughs> So it's packed, 24,000 people. Yeah. We get to the back door. We come in the back, the whole nine. So you know at a concert, say the stage is all over. Say we're at the stage is at the end zone, and mm-hmm. we come in at the other end zone. But in the, in the old Omni, we one end of the court. So all of a sudden, we come in. Now this is when Death Row, Deep Cover, and Sug. we walk yeah. in. I'm telling you, man, 24,000 people just went quiet, just started looking. This is Dion prime time when he's on commercials everybody we got everybody with us it was brian gant um all the baseball players i think barry bonds were with us man who were, uh, everybody this, Very remember, casual. this is young boy yeah you but this is in their different you know these this is when they everybody dion had a huge influence on sports i'm just gonna let mm-hmm. you know all oh, it really was so we walk down the aisle right we come in so we go backstage so Suge Knight's walking as we go backstage. I mean, the crowd goes quiet. Everybody's going to Snoop, because I think deep cover had just came out. So we go to the stage. And so they're like, Dion's like, yo, man, um, you know, I want to, you know, meet, you know, Janet Jackson, I'm a big fan, that kind of thing, Blase, Blase. you know, all us out there, Snoop, everybody. So they was like, well, no, no one can get it back here, this, that, and that. So some big Suge just stepped to the door. And Dion got to go in to meet Janet. And that's how that story ended. <laughs> I went out. I was rolling with the dog pound. You know, that same night we mobbed out with Wu-Tang Clan. Was at, they was at the hotel afterwards. Too short. This group, um, MC Breed, um, Tupac Shakur came out the same night. The 90s was crazy, Chris. You know, and that's, that's uh, bullshit. I, can't, one, I grew up at the wrong
0: time, Chuck. <laughs> hey,
2: Chris. I tell you, I can keep going on and on for Will Smith and Jay. You got to remember, this is the 90s. This is Atlanta. This is when, like when they say now Atlanta influences everything. We really did in the 90s, man. That's Mm -hmm. real talk. All those people. But I just tell you this. We didn't win a lot of games with the Falcons when I was in, but we was the freshest city and the coolest dudes in the league back then, though.
0: I love (laughs) it. That's good. I can't believe you even told me that story before, man. And also – I, I've never heard anyone in any capacity, whether it's a documentary or an all-star game, ever say Tupac, Biggie, and Biggie, Tupac, Suge Knight, uh, Snoop Dogg, and then catch up like, oh, I think Barry Bonds was there. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous oh, story. Oh, dude,
2: dog. dude, let me let me teach the Roll deep. Who was a beast? Dion's boy was Mark Limpy. Limpy. Bl- Bl- <laughs> man, listen. <laughs> man, listen. Hey, listen. If Chipper watching this, Chipper know Chipper Jones. Man, my 25th birthday party at tongue and groove in Buckhead. Come on, man. Chipper's my man. DJ Clue. Man, we was young boys back now. We grown now. We can't. No, so we gotta leave that behind us, man.
0: You and you That's and Chipper on, on, on. hanging out makes sense because you guys are both cool. You guys, you guys like can carry on a conversation. Yeah, I don't know, Mark Limke, yeah. but Deion Sanders and Mark Limke being friends is is yeah, astonishing.
2: man. Man, this thing, man, I can go on and on and on, man. But like. That was the culture. Atlanta had some fly yeah. dudes. Remember, David Justice was here. <clears throat> Andre Rising. All the, you know, LaFace. All the rappers was just coming up. Outcast was kicking it off in 92. Bob wasn't the signing South TLC. Right. How about that? That's a whole nother story. That's crazy. De- Dion used to call Bob's studio, no production, production. It'd be funny <laughs> as hell. And look, and then his studio become come, ends up being the greatest, one of the greatest studios in hip-hop you know right. music history in patchwork,
0: crazy if you don't know what we're talking about either it's uh um, we should have clarified it but yeah our other co-host bob whitfield left tackle for for the falcons forever um he just casually mentioned this, this I, like i guess y'all you, you just all have stories like this but yeah he just casually mentions one time in between in between takes he's like oh yeah remember i remember he's like i didn't sign tlc and I was like i'm sorry what yeah because he had his own record label anyway yeah listen you've been too. more than That's kind to being on here bro
2: <laughs> right, I appreciate go. the time man. All right, Chris. All right, go ball.